Laura, let's start with uh, with Catherine Campbell. She of Ro- RoboDebt uh, fame. She has resigned from her job at the Department of Defence, which was paying her just about a million bucks. A surprise or just a surprise that it took us so long? Um, not really a surprise, Philip. Um, I think uh, a lot of people have been, have, have wondered out loud about uh, why, even after all the damning evidence, the government gave her a job worth $900,000 a year in the Defence Department. Um, and I think the answer to that is, you know, uh, pending the uh, findings of the Commission, apart from anything else, she'd only recently moved to the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade when there was a change of government. So if they'd sacked her, um, you know, arbitrarily, shall we say, despite all the bad evidence, the uh, taxpayers would have been having to pay her out for her five-year contract. So I just thought I'd sort of put, put a bit of context around that about the reasoning somebody gave to me about why she was in that job. Um, but it's not entirely a surprise. I think what's still very unclear is what actions, uh, disciplinary or otherwise, that she, she might face um, as a result of the Royal Commission's findings, which um, you know, were incredibly damning against her, which basically said that, um, to quote, she'd been responsible for a department that had established, implemented and maintained an unlawful program and when exposed to information that brought to light the illegality of income averaging, she did nothing of substance. Teal, um, so teal independent Dr Sophie Scamps isn't mm. letting the matter go quiet, is she? Because she's keeping the pressure on, saying she was thinking of referring the appointment of uh, Ms Campbell to the AUKUS advisory role to the NACC. Well... She, she might as well, I think, Philip, if she wants to, but, I mean, I think there are several hundred, I think that was the figure last week, of matters that have been referred to the um, new anti-corruption commission according to a statement it put out. And it was quite interesting that the minority of those were things that they said had been in the public gaze, but, um, you know, there's a whole range of issues that uh, would be up to, for being discussed. If Sophie Scamps thinks that's one, she's entitled to think that. I think the more substantive issue really goes to the question of, um, you know, the fallout from the RoboDebt Royal Commission and its real-life impact on hundreds and thousands of um, average Australians. Now, Scamps has put forward a private member's bill, amusingly called the Ending of Jobs for Mates Privilege Members Bill. That's an, a novel twist. Um, yes, well, good luck with that one, Sophie's Camps. Um, I don't know, I have to say, Philip, I think in the uh, Catherine Campbell uh, case, you wouldn't necessarily describe her as a mate of the current government. Um, so I don't know that it necessarily applies. There is obviously uh, an interest in scrutinising you know, why people get jobs uh, and, you know, they're qualified for it and they've got some capacity. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if there is a capacity to improve that process via a new piece of legislation, 
you know, let's be all for it. Now, as you pointed out, a referral to the NACC doesn't automatically guarantee a uh, an examination. And, of course, there is also concern about how long such a hypothetical inquiry might take. I understand there's going to be an inquiry into how long the New South Wales ICAC uh, took to investigate uh, Premier Gladys. Uh, there is, um, and that's obviously been a matter of controversy across the political spectrum. Uh, ICAC is... Uh, the New South Wales ICAC is something I don't claim to be intimately associated with, Philip, which I think is probably a good thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the question, I think, for the new national body really is that it's just obviously been swamped by people um, coming forward with all sorts of allegations that and they're going to have to sift through those and work out for themselves what their issues of priority and urgency are. And uh, we just have to hope they've got the sort of a manpower to um, to deal with it. In other news, Workplace Relations Minister Tony Burke has announced the government is going to do more to help casual workers get permanent jobs. He has, Philip, and I think um, you have to see this as sort of the next step in what I would describe as Labor trying to rebalance the um, sort of industrial relations playing field after... You know, 10 or 15 years in particular where we've just seen this rise of contract labour and labour hire. It's probably longer than 15 years now. My life is flashing before me. But it's... And they've, they did the um, same same job, same pay legislation last year. Uh, this, this new one, Tony Burke admits, probably won't affect a lot of people because, you know, there are a lot of people who are uh, casuals doing full-time work. He thinks there might be maybe 850,000 people who may opt to want to uh, be considered permanent staff and therefore get access to things like sick leave and annual leave, though a lot of people like um, to get the extra loadings you get from being a casual. But I think the point here isn't, you know, that you're overturning the entire workforce, but you're changing the balance and the... um, you're changing the ultimate balance of power between employers and employees back to what Labor would regard as a more level playing field. Now, the ACTU has welcomed the the news, hasn't it? It has, and, you know, it's obviously something that um, is good from uh, from their perspective. Uh, when you've got a more regularised Labor force, your chances of being able to bargain better uh, rather than being able to pick people off individually is greater. So, and it obviously represents uh, a sort of reinforcement of all the sort of conditions that go with uh, with with jobs um, that you can bypass if you've got an entirely casual workforce. Meanwhile, business groups, surprise, surprise, aren't so thrilled. No, well, they... they <laughs> Mandy Rice Davies, I think, would be the would be would be the line you'd have to use there, Philip. Um, they would say that, wouldn't they? But I mean, I don't think there uh, there was a lot of noise earlier on a month or two ago about how the world was about to come crashing down with various labour market reforms, but they seem to have backed off about that a bit in the last few weeks. Do you reckon the legislation will get through this year? I think it's got a really good chance. I think um, there's uh, sort of a sentimental support for it, shall we say, in the in the upper house. Um, I think the indications are that uh, the crossbench will probably 
give support to it. Um, it's not a wildly controversial measure, I don't think. Um, and people like Jackie Lambie, um, I think it would be supportive of it in the interests of, you know, average workers. Now, is the timing of this announcement related to incoming RBA Governor uh, Michelle Bullock saying that, uh, f- that for inflation to come down, unemployment would have to rise to 4.5%? Look, I don't think it is. Um, I mean, the government has flagged for some time since it came into office last year that it had this agenda of uh, gradual changes in industrial relations, so I think it's unrelated to that. Um, Having watched the footage of Michelle Bullock make those comments, Philip, I think what she was saying was that, you know, economists have this sort of, I'm I'm paraphrasing it here, but they've got a bit of a, a slide rule here where you say, well, if you want inflation to come down this much, unemployment's going to have to come go up that much. I don't think she was saying that that was what she wanted to happen. She was sort of, sort of saying that's what economists think uh, happens, which goes to the whole question of the Nehru, but we're not going to go there. Um, so I think that's that's been something that's rather marked at the beginning of her uh, term in office, even though she doesn't actually start till September. Um, But I think, without a doubt, uh, not just the bank, but the government are pretty pessimistic. I think in some ways the government is a little bit more pessimistic uh, about the outlook for the economy than... um than, than the Reserve Bank, um, and uh, but they they sort of keep talking. Uh, both Jim Chalmers and Katie Gallagher keep saying, "Oh well, of course we're talking about an uptick in inflation, which in sorry in unemployment, which sort of sounds a bit harmless, doesn't it?" But I don't know whether the number that they're actually dreading in their um, midnight nightmares is actually sort of quite so harmless. Well, talking about dreading and midnight nightmares, as a farmer, I'm dreading the currently 95% likelihood of the return of El Nino. Meanwhile, the government's looking at a 50% chance of a recession. And today, lo and behold, we have a new head of the Productivity Commission. Who is he and what's he going to do to help stave that off? Well, Chris Barrett, an interesting character um, who I first met when he was Wayne Swan's Chief of Staff um, and the fact that he was Wayne Swan's Chief of Staff has, needless to say, uh, raised the eyebrows of the opposition um, in the fact that he's a former Labor staffer who's now got this um, job as Head of the Productivity Commission. Uh, But um, Chris Barrett has, you know, is, is a fairly serious economist He's worked overseas for a number of years at both the OECD and uh, in other international bodies, um, including uh, on climate research. Um, He's been more recently, I think, in the Victorian public sector. Um, So he was one of those bright young things uh, that new Labor governments seemed to attract, whether it was Hawke and Keating, um, the Rudd-Swan government. He was certainly you know, well regarded at the time as, a, you know, a, a really classy economist, not just a political operator. Um, so it's an interesting appointment. I think, um, and Michael Brennan, who was there before, was a f- former staffer for Nick Minchin, if, if people are going to cast nasturtiums around, and he's done a fine job at the Productivity Commission too. But I think without a doubt, everybody in economics will tell you that 
you know, we're only going to sort of improve real wages and get better outcomes if we can find a way of lifting productivity. Uh, we don't hear much about the productivity agenda anymore because it used to be sort of relatively easy uh, things, you know, or they look relatively easy in retrospect about making markets work better. But a lot of those easier mechanisms have been sort of addressed now and people have got to start thinking a lot smarter about ways of trying to lift productivity. So um, I think, and you know, getting a new set of eyes onto it never really hurts, um, and I think Chris Barrett will provide those. Laura Tingle, Chief Political Correspondent for 7.30. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. 